The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the monthly guest Dharma series. Thank you for giving me this space to uh, be here. How many of you are regular Sunday night attendees? Can you raise your hand. Okay. How many of you are here for the first time? One, two, three, four, five. Seven. Okay, a big welcome. If you hate me, you don't have to worry about it. I'm not here that often. If you love me, you just have to wait. How many of you know what the topic for tonight is? A few people? So I can talk about anything, really. (laughs) The topic for tonight is past lives, Buddhist cosmology, and all that jazz. I like common ground. I, I come up with a, whatever topic I want. And they're like, sure, you can talk about it. My favorite one was the sex and the Dhamma, friend or foe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they give me a wide breadth of choices. Um, past lives and Buddhist cosmology is something that, in my experience, doesn't get talked a lot. Uh, also, in my experience, a lot of meditation centers don't say Buddhist meditation center. And some say we're more a Vipassana tradition. So I thought, oh, I'll, I'll talk about this because in my life I have found it useful to reflect on it. Not in a sense of believing in something, but more in my daily life. I want to start uh, at the East Bay Meditation Center in Oakland. They're all into like, oh, talk to each other. I like to say that joke, how many Californians does it take to change a light bulb? And it's, it's one, but you need six people to share the experience afterwards. They're <laughs> constantly talking with, to each other. So I'm bringing a little bit of that. And um, talk to someone next to you, maybe someone you haven't met. Introduce yourself. And um, sort of ask, where does past life, future life sit with you? Are you in the camp of like, no, that... I just don't believe in that, that's silly, or not really, or maybe, I don't know, or definitely, I even know what I was, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, and there's, and within those three, there's all sorts of shades of gray. So it's kind of introduce yourself, and many times we, you know, you don't struck a conversation at the elevator. So, do you believe in past lives? <laughs> although, um, although I think it is a, a topic of conversation in those games or cubes, you know, where you can talk to your family if you don't know what to talk to them about. Um, so I'm going to give you three minutes, so a minute and a half, just to sort of to share like where I am at, at the moment with this past life topic, okay? And I'll ring the bell, and uh, I'll do something. I'm a, I work with high school students, and one, sometimes I go, if you see me raise your hand, you raise your hand, and then everybody sees the right, and then everybody quiets down. So maybe we'll try that too. Okay, uh, you have three minutes. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I'll ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to speak, but let's just see who's in the room. I like to do this when I speak. How many are in the camp of like, no, not really? Okay. How many people are more in the middle? Like, maybe, I don't know. How many people are like, definitely, or kind of like, yeah, okay. And so that's pretty much what the world is, you know, and (laughs) people... Um, have that. Uh, 
in Hinduism, there is a teaching where the soul sort of changes clothing. And maybe you start as an amoeba and you start progressing and then you become an animal until you become a cow. And the cow is a symbol of generosity. It gives everything. And right before being a human, that is your last incarnation. It's the incarnation of a cow. And so then you're a human being and then you have more and more past lives. This is pre-Buddhist. And it continues to be an understanding of how that works. In Buddhism, it's a little bit more complex. Uh, It's it's not this eternal soul or a piece of God that becomes incarnate, and then it it continues to have lives until you reach God again. That is not the Buddhist teaching, but it is a teaching that exists in India. And it existed at the time when the Buddha was alive. Um, whether you are you know, here, 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 I, I think what I'm about to say you might relate because I look at, the way I work with past lives is that I look at it with one lifetime. And then I have other questions. Um, for example, the second noble truth is letting go of what you're, you know, letting go of attachment to craving. And within that system, there's something called Paticca Samupada, which sometimes is listed as six links, sometimes many, traditionally it's 12 links. And there's this huge debate whether this process of how attachment happens, happens moment to moment or within three lifetimes. And so you end up having to read something and having to like, ooh, do I believe in this? Because so many of us have bad relationships to the word belief, where you're being demanded to believe something without any proof. So I don't know when I started thinking about this, of my three-month-old self. So I know that I was three months old. I've seen the pictures. Super cute. I was super cute. (laughs) If I say so myself. What are the thoughts that are the same when I was three months old? I didn't even have language. What are the emotions that are the same? What part of my body is the same? Right? So it's watching the, the teaching of impermanence right there. That was my past life as a three-month-old. The karma that I have is that I know someone fed me because here I am. And so my dad, I remember at one point when I started being in Buddhism, he says, I don't like karma. I don't like this whole past life thing. It's so unfair. Why should you be punished for something that happened in a past life? Well, what happened to me when I was three months old is not a punishment. It's just what happened. And you know when a child is neglected, the effects go on until the grave. We know this. And so with abuse... You know, with education, whatever your experience was, that has an effect. And so then my three-year-old self, what does a three-year-old self have in common with a three-month, or with a 46-year-old? I only look 42. (laughs) I always say that. Sorry, it's my joke. And really, so 13-year-old, 
that is a past life that you have evidence. Any of you had this fantasy, if I could only go back to high school knowing what I know now, wouldn't that be nice? And that's really what a past life in some traditions is. It's like, oh, you didn't learn this thing? Try it again. That Bill Murphy movie? What, what is that movie? Uh, Groundhog Day? Yeah, William. Groundhog Day. Uh, it's really a past life, right? And so now, can you have a day as a past life? So that's one way that I, that I use it. Um, and, you know, I've read the books of psychologists and psychiatrists that were just doing their thing, and all of a sudden someone started talking from a different past life, and they do therapy. So there are people who do therapy with past lives. I remember a friend of mine talking to me about this man in St. Paul who works with Jewish families um, to help them raise the children that had died in the Holocaust. And having um, Hindu people and Tibetan people saying, oh yeah, my child went to this village and said, dig over here, and they found some money because the grandpa had left it there. You know, And the books of uh, Burmese kids that have been interviewed and remember details. And His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, who is somebody who says, you know, I used to have 13 other incarnations that were Dalai Lamas. So I have been exposed to this. Also in Thailand, I went to visit some monks with uh, Ajahn Chandako, actually, who drops by here. And one of the monks is uh, reported to be able to look at you and know what your past lives were. And so there's all of this. And yet, I read it, I hear it, but there's my experience. I've been to two past life regressions. The last one was with my friend Allie. We just drove to somewhere in the Bay Area. And afterwards, she was like, I was a monkey. I was experimented on. I was like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) And is it her imagination? Is it real? And... To be honest, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me that much because I know that I had a past life. And so working with a past life here is what I have found. And I'm just sharing that because um, I, work, I can work with Buddhist cosmology, Buddhist tradition, if I just focus on one lifetime. That way I don't have to worry about believing anything or not believing anything. So I remember the moment I, forget, I forgave my father it's a healing of a past life. You see? And so he still tells me that he loves me. And although I've been with my partner for nine years, he's like, I'm not homophobic. I just don't want to meet him. Don't bring him close to El Salvador. Oh. Right? So his, his craziness doesn't stop. Or my disagreements with him. But we're to the point that every time I talk to him, he finishes by, I love you. I'm like, in your own way, yeah, you do. But you see, there's no more karma being created. It's been healed. He still annoys me sometimes, whatever, whatever. But really, it is a scar. It's not a wound. And so if you're a person that is in touch with your past lives and you're working with them, then continue. Why not? If you're a person that doesn't believe in it at all, then again, it doesn't, you, you, you know, therapy, going just to therapy to work through stuff, to me, is working with past lives. You know, your relationships. And uh, so that's the past life thing I wanted to share. 
Now comes the jazz part. Can everyone go like this? Okay, we've done the jazz part. Now comes cosmology. Um, cosmology and past lives are related because in the 31 realms of Buddhist cosmology, um, you know, we move uh, in and out of past lives. All the lives are not permanent. And it can get very complicated. You know, you can um, start thinking, well, if there is no self, if there's anatta, what gets reborn? It's one of the classic questions. It's interesting that Ajahn Chah, my teacher's teacher, did a koan without knowing that he was doing koan practice. And he would tell to himself, why was I born? Why was I born? Why was I born? Having that as a practice. What conditions? You know, what, why was I born? That's his question. So when I read that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. When he was dying, he um, was bedridden for a long time. And uh, he wanted to die. And he was being taken care of so well. He said, I don't want to go to a hospital. So they created a hospital in the monastery for him. They created a clinic. And two different psychics at different times said that he was paying off the karma because he had been an army officer in Laos and had killed a lot of people in a village. And so that this was some residual karma that he had. And again, I read that and I'm like, that's interesting. Master Hua was a Chinese monk who was a friend of Ajahn Sumedho. Had a lot of affinity. And one of the monks in Master Hua's lineage, um, a great master, got attacked and he almost died. So the story goes that he left his body, went into another realm because he didn't want to give the bad karma of the soldiers of killing him. Because killing an arahant or killing a holy one sends you to hell. <laughs> so, you know, again, you read all of these things. So what is the cosmology? I was fascinated uh, that out of the 31 realms, the human realm is the fifth one from the bottom. And the bottom one is the worst hell that you can imagine. Okay? And so you have to, because I lived in a hut in Thailand for a little bit, I can understand a little bit what it's like not to have anything to read, no television, and so telling stories is fun, right? And so you find that hells got more and more colorful as time went on. And, uh, and also, you know, what does it mean to be demonic? And I remember one of the hells for men who abuse women, they go into a forest, and the man would be in this corner, and he sees a woman over there, and he goes and runs towards her. And every leaf of every tree becomes a dagger and cuts him until he reaches the other end. And then he's there and he turns around and he sees another woman. And he does this for eons, just going back and forth, being cut. Like, that's a weird hell. Uh, And, you know, and all demons doing all sorts of things. And recently I saw um, this book on Dante's Divine Comedy and it's like, oh, look at all these little stages. 
And so what I've done in my practice is use these realms to try to understand people. Because we are weird species. We're, we're kind of funny. We're kind of difficult to understand sometimes. And hell is not necessarily a punishment. It can be. But as we live right now, as we sit right here, there are people who are being tortured. It's just the reality of our planet. And in one of the hells, it's slightly better because there is a breath between the suffering. So with torture, you can't hurt too much because the system shuts down and you faint. So you have to constantly be giving pain without the person fainting. And then there's psychological torture. I'm from El Salvador, and I was sent to Guatemala during the war, and I heard a, a torture when I, was fifth year, uh, when I was in fifth grade that was psychological torture, and it really had a big impact on me, just really questioning how can someone be that cruel. And a demon, it doesn't have to be someone with horns. It's someone that has lost their sense of humanity, and that you enjoy hurting people in that way. And I've, I've now come to have more compassion towards people that are in that state. When I work with my teenagers, I always say, because bullying is so, so real, right? Happy people are not mean. If you're happy, why would you want to lie to somebody or steal something? If you're happy, you're content. Happy people are not mean. And so that bully, for the most part, is not a happy person. From the hells, we, we move, and there's all sorts of kind of interesting beings and so on. And the, major, the, the other major stop is the animal realm. It's the realm of fear and greed. I gotta eat, I gotta have sex before somebody eats me. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh my god, I gotta eat, I gotta eat, I gotta eat, I gotta have sex before somebody eats me. <laughs> that's that's kind of like the realm where the animal realm can be. You know, I just, I, I don't know when I'm gonna get my next meal. You know, maybe I'm a predator animal, maybe I'm not. But, but there's this thing of like, I'm gonna compete to reproduce. I'm gonna compete to do this. And also, um, it's a, uh, it's a place where you can't take for granted your safety. Right? In Kenya, I saw these lions, and I said, yeah, you know, when a lion comes and wants to take care of the lioness, he kills the little cubs. And I was like, how silly that these lions, there's not that many lions, why is he doing that? And I'm like, oh yeah, humans do that too. We go and invade and we take over things. And so that's the animal realm. And when you see someone in that, in that realm, like uh, if it's, you know, if really sex and food is the main driving force, not in a, you know, kind of like getting more moralistic, but really if that's where you're stuck, if that's the only way that you think that you can have happiness, then in, in this cosmology, they'll be like, you're in the animal realm, honey. It's like, that's where you are. As we move, the, the next big stop is the human realm. 
And one of the definitions I like is that if you follow the five precepts, you're human. So if you follow the basic principles, you know, if you're not um, murdering, if you're not stealing, that kind of thing, then you're, you're human. Like, that's the standard. Be someone that is not hurting yourself and others, and it's described as an incredibly precious incarnation, more than the angelic realms. Because the devas, or the high realms, it's so lovely and beautiful that you don't see your suffering as much. And in hell or the animal realm, or the hungry ghost realm, it's so hard to live that it's difficult to get enlightened. And again, how about enlightenment in one lifetime? How about enlightenment in one day? That's how I work with it, because I can touch it. Can I have a moment where, hey, not feeling greed right now? Not feeling anger? I don't know if I'm feeling wisdom. I don't know what that would feel like. But kind of like, hey, you know, noticing those moments. And having compassion, you know, the hungry ghost is drawn as this being with a really huge belly and a tiny mouth, and they're trying to get filled. And many times people in addictions can be like that. You know? it's, a, it's a painful, painful place to be. Where, you know, alcoholism or gambling or whatever it is has such a big hold in your life. And you're, and you're self-medicating. When, when our students uh, are taking drugs in Oakland, um, we refer to it as self-medicating. We don't talk about drug users. or you know, It's like, yeah, kid was self-medicating. Because we're trying, you know, we're trying to be happy. We're trying to be happy. So we can, we can be in a hungry ghost realm. And, and there's other ways of describing it, but this is just my own way. After that comes the angelic realms. There's uh, <laughs> a next question for you. Where are you with the angels? Are you like, absolutely not? Or, yeah, not really. Are you in the maybe? Because you could be, you know, definitely on the past life, but not on the uh, angels. So where are you in the kind of like the spectrum? Yep, I've seen them. I talk to my angel every day. Some people know the name of their guardian angel and so on, and it's, you're on this side. Some people are like, I don't know. See them at Christmas, and they're cute. <laughs> so three minutes. It's 7.57. At 8 o'clock, I'm going to raise my hand, ring the bell. A minute and a half. Do you believe in angels? That's your question. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you. Anyone has a super cute angel story they want to share? I've heard a lot of angel stories. Uh, There is a book being sold at the Oakland uh, Cathedral of Light. It's a Catholic cathedral. And it's a woman who just put out a call to see if people had angel stories. And she had thousands of them. And then she actually collected the ones that could be checked with other people. 
So it's got things like, I was on an airplane, and then this other airplane come next to me and showed me where to do and the emergency thing. And I was caught up in a snowstorm, and then you know, this truck took me there, and then I got home, and everybody went out to say thank you, and there was no snow tracks for this other truck. And you know, they're just filled with these stories. I read them, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> really, because I, I, I don't have a strong sense of wanting to know what reality is. Ajahn Pasano is the abbot of the monastery in California in the tradition that I studied. And uh, he was the abbot in the, at Wapananashat, the monastery in Thailand. And when I was living there, I said, you know, what is this square of cement over here? Because it looks like a kuti was there. A kuti is a hut. And these are all Western monks, usually overeducated. <laughs> And this French guy, this French monk, is like, oh, yeah, nobody could sleep in that hut, so they just tore it down. I'm like, why? It's just this, this celestial being was just too annoying. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's interesting. And so I started asking, like, what, is it true? And they're like, yeah, this used to be a charnel ground, and there's some beings that are hanging around, and then nobody could just, people would just have big eyes because nobody could sleep there because this being would always be bothering people. And then he goes on to tell that there's this business guy from Bangkok who was very kind of serious. He came over the next day and goes, you know, I'm kind of surprised I'm telling you this, but this heavenly being in, um, came to me and he said he wants you to offer the chanting today for this other being because he says he's been trying to you, but you never see him. <laughs> and Ajahn Pasan is kind of like a lumberjack kind of monk. You know, he's Canadian and he's like, I've never seen anything, but I lived in that monastery. And they said, it's filled with beings, and I never saw anything. And so there's this thing that, you know, some people are able to see them, and some people are not. How I see it again is in the cosmology, as we move in from the human realm, we have the tree spirits, um, spirits that uh, like to live around trees. And in European traditions, we have the gnomes and the fairies, and uh, pixie, are pixies good or are pixies naughty? I can't remember. Okay, anyway. Okay, so um, the, the devas of the trees are earthbound, but they're lovely and they like to protect nature. And in our world, those are the environmentalists, you know, the tree huggers, the people that want to save species, these people that really, really love nature. You would be above and beyond the human realm. So when you go into that space of loving nature, you are in the tree spirit realm. That's where you are. And then we move on to the angels of pleasure, and those are the artistic angels. We have them also in the Western tradition, like they're playing the harp, the Gandharva devas, the, or the Gandhava. They, they just love music, and they love to dance. We know about those. But dance. And they just um, experience music in a way, uh, you know, music as an art is it's really interesting, right? And uh, at Orchestra Hall, I saw Yoyoma play once. And he's very special, but I, I'm sure something happened this night where you could not hear a pin drop. And he just closed his eyes, and I kind of felt like I was invading him. like. Like he was just having this experience. 
And you know in Minnesota, there's a lot of standing ovations at the end. So it was like, <laughs> But at the end of this one, everyone was just silent. And all of a sudden, something snapped, and everyone just rose up, and he got three standing ovations. They lit up the lights. They said, we are now closing. And people were like, whatever, we're clapping. <laughs> and so until the third time he came, people were satisfied because something happened. And that is the musical Deva experience. So when Jesus says, you can experience the kingdom of God, or, or the kingdom of God is within us, it's, it's, it, it's that experience, mindfulness, the path of the deathless, when your mind goes silent and you're witnessing, it is beyond pleasure. And sometimes you can, you can go from the Deva realm, but you can also get distracted. Remember also I was taking an African dance class and all of a sudden, the drummers, we, we're doing this movement, moving to the side, and all of a sudden, the drummers start moving. And the whole thing just became one, where everybody's moving. That was a deva experience. I think a runner's high sometimes can be a deva experience. So those are those devas. Music, you know, you put your headphones and you close your eyes, and all of a sudden, the troubles of the world melt away. That is a deva experience. So that's where you are. You're in a luxury realm where you have enough safety that you can listen to music or do a painting. Once you start moving from the pleasure realms of of, uh, really heavenly spaces, you move into the creative gods as well, but there are some gods who enjoy the creations of others. If you go to the Minneapolis Institute of Art, you will see like, Oh, donated by the Pillsbury family or the Dayton family. The patrons of the arts can be like that. I love art so much, I'm going to spend my own money and give it so other people can. The Getty Museum. You know, when Getty was the richest man in the world, born in Minnesota, now you go to L.A., and that entire thing is free, and he just wanted people to enjoy art. So that is a realm. How does this have to do anything with daily life and working with the Dhamma or working with uh, whatever? Above the hell realm and sometimes we love are the Asuras. And they kind of sometimes they're kind of like the titans, they're called. Many times they're fighting with each other. They can be very powerful. But for example, there, there is a certain um, presidential candidate um, who has fame, right, power, presidential candidates. And sometimes I look you know, at the debate and I'm like, this is the Asura realm. It's the realm of the Titans. It can be a powerful realm, but not necessarily a happy one. In Viking mythology, they have this kind of thing too, like you're in heaven and what I'm doing is like, I'm going to fight, 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 then eat, 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 then die, and then do it all over again. You know, and I'm going to fight, 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 and then I'm going to eat, and then I'm going to have sex, and then I'm going to die, and then I'm going to wake up the next day and do it all over again. Like, there are some realms in Viking mythology where, where it's Titan realm, right? Or all those stories of different mythologies where there are people warring or beings warring. So you're in a work situation, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm dealing with an Asura. Let's bring compassion into here. Somebody, you know, like anybody had a boss who was an Asura? Just a boss that just like, really? This this is how you're going to treat people? And uh, 
So yeah, simply because somebody has power doesn't mean that um, they're happy. Moving on from the creator realms and and all of these becomes the, the realms of light and that corresponds to meditation. So as we go into bhavana, which is practicing of meditation. Um, Buddhism, you know, sometimes you see this division of samatha and vipassana. In vipassana, you investigate, and samatha is more of a calming tradition. And the calming tradition you find in all mystic traditions. So I came to Minnesota for a quinceañera. Who's been to a quinceañera? Anybody? Yeah. Fifteen-year, you know, big fluffy dresses. My nieces are 14 and 16, so they had one party, your 15th debutante ball kind of thing. So my aunt came from Santa Barbara to Minnesota, and we're talking in the pedal boat in the Stillwater this morning. And she was a nun for 12 years in the Catholic tradition. And we started talking a little bit about Catholic and Christian um, cosmology and in the Bible, there's the, the thrones, the principalities, the archangels, the seraphims, the um, cherubims, all of these. And funny enough, a lot of them line up with the Buddhist cosmology. So I just find it funny that in different places, the same kind of stuff appears. Right? So the archangels are many times shown as warriors. Right? You have Uriel and Gabriel and Mikhail, you know, Michael. Raphael, and the protecting devas, who are also kind of earthbound, have um, an intention of helping humans. And you find that in the guardian angels in a lot of other traditions. And the people that wake up and they're like, I want to save, and I want to work at the emergency room. You know, really tough. It's those angels that go to hell. You know, the people that go into war zones and they're saving lives? It's this angelic realm of I am risking my life as a firefighter or a nurse to save others. It's this compassionate realm of the devas. And when you see somebody like that, it's like, thank you. you know? it's like, I saved my house from a fire. <laughs> and there's, you know, thank you prayers to angels because of that. Are we having any fun yet? I love, I love these realms just because uh, they're colorful and, and, um, and kind of look at, into my life as well. Am I being caught up too much in the devil realm? Sudasa so know this monk who has now disrobed, he ordained with Ajahn Chandako. And he said to me, oh, you're in the deva realm. Because I like nice food, like nice things. And it, so that's my um, tendency, is to be in realms of refinement. I go to an art show, and I'm like, it's so beautiful. I just cry. It's so beautiful. Right? And so my meditation, I'm supposed to be doing uh, Maranasati, meditation on death. And you, there's these meditations where you imagine the body decomposing and you imagine the body being eaten by dogs. And what they did in the monasteries, they would have pictures of bodies decomposing. And I'm like, yuck, get that away from me. Like, ah. But I, supposedly, that's what I'm supposed to be doing because I like beauty too much. 
So I went on uh, YouTube and looked at uh, autopsies about two months ago. And I was like, oh. But basically, I have to get to a point where I'm like, equanimity, this is what the body is. So see how I'm using the, the, the recipe of the realm. If I'm too much in the devil realm, i got to balance that out a little bit. Right? If you notice that, that you are in the, in the realm of um, addiction or anger or things like that, then it's like healing. You, know, you, you need different things at different times in your life. So that compassion is what, what's being brought forth. So the final realms, and of course there's 31. If you're really interested, just Google it. I mean, everything can be Googleable, right? It's like, uh, you know, if you're really interested in the realms, I'm, I'm sure they're all listed. Wikipedia or Buddha, the Buddha Net, something, something. And I've read all of them and uh, have looked. But the big chunk again now, it's the, the gods of light. And so they, these are the ones that are no longer creating. The first sutta of the Diga Nikaya, the Diga Nikaya is the long discourses, and the sutta is just one section, right? It's all about wrong views and things like this. And in it, they list different kinds of gods. And there's one god who creates a world, and then he starts getting worshipped. And he's like, whoa, I'm being worshipped. I'm great. And he starts thinking he's permanent. And then that's his foolishness. Right? And so the king or the, the despot that doesn't want to go away or, um, you know, I just thought it was interesting that they have all of these wrong views. And also, the Majima Nikaya, the, the middle-length discourses, has a sutta that has tit for tat. If you do this, this is the realm that you're going to end up in. And the suttas were written at different times, and there's different disagreements. But I thought that was interesting, because you can go into superstition if you're not careful. Um, when I was in Thailand, I found this booklet that had been translated into English. And it was all the things that you could offer to monks and all the results that you would get in the next lifetime. So if you gave a flashlight, you would get pretty eyes. <laughs> and if you pointed the way, you would get nice nails. And so on. And again, looking at these things, what if you just take them as metaphor? You know, what if you treat people nicely all the time? Your life is probably going to be nicer, right? If you're in the realm of generosity. But these gods at the very top, um, they're not creating anything. They're not protecting anything. They're just being. It's just the pure abodes. And in the jhanas, the, the last bit of the Noble Eightfold Path is correct meditation. And it's when you're in the place where you no longer have the hindrances. You're meditating and you're not sleepy. You're not grumpy. You're not remorseful. You're meditating and you are um, in touch with your meditation object. And then after a while, it's not even there. It's a pure witnessing. And the arupajanas, which I cannot speak about, 
and the realms of neither perception nor non-perception, the highest gods, which is the, the seventh and the eighth jhana, which in the story of the Buddha, he learns this, and uh, his teachers tell him, yep, that's it. Now you can do the arupa jhanas, the, the, the highest meditation form. Or as St. Teresa of Avila would say, you know, the highest revels in the, in the interior castle. A lot of these Catholic mystics have done exactly the same meditation. The body, it's only one body. And it's one system. So it doesn't matter what tradition you're in. This system is capable of killing and it's capable of being in the realms of light. Also around these these levels is where the psychic powers start getting uh, noted. And it gets like, ah, psychic powers, angels, past lives, ah, you know. You can get like all kind of like, woo. But it's listed, you know, there's 13 major psychic powers. Interestingly enough, the same psychic powers that you find in medieval Europe are found in Thailand. And there's Western scientists that have observed them. The only one that I read that hasn't been observed is levitation. But with St. Teresa of Avila, she would have two hefty nuns pushing her down because she would get so embarrassed that she would start levitating in the middle of the Mass. And you find these Tibetan monks who's like, oh yeah, he was flying. It's interesting. Being in two places at once, healing people, lifting your thumb and having light coming out of it, like all of these kinds of things, being able to communicate with animals, um, can happen when your meditation is, is deep. Or if your karma, if you've done it in past lives. <laughs> so sometimes you are able to see auras and all of these things. So that realm of light, the warning is, that's not it. You know, Enlightenment is really the end of of suffering. So all of this colorful stuff, the teaching is don't get distracted by it. So what if you see a psychic phenomena? Or if an angel talks to you? Or whatever it is. How are you suffering? Such a beautiful teaching. I teach two things. Dukkha and the end of Dukkha that which is difficult to withstand. And that has a cause. And that cause is being attached to not wanting things to be the way they are. That is the cause. It's being attached to our desire to want things to be differently. Which is not a teaching of now you can't heal yourself or the world or take care of trees or play music. It's really look at your suffering. It's now 8.20. Um, we don't have a lot of time for questions. But I always find that even if there's one person that asks a question, there's somebody on the other side of the room that was thinking the same thing. So maybe we have time for one or two um, questions. It's a huge topic. I mean, I've mentioned past lives <laughs> and all of the cosmology stuff. But maybe there's something that is uh, um, unclear. And um, 
I want to say that with the generosity, the money that gets given, I usually give it to uh, a charity. It's my way of uh, continuing that. And if there is anything that I have said that is uh, inappropriate or inaccurate, I ask for your forgiveness. And uh, if there's anything that has been helpful, I want to thank my teachers for uh, being able to transfer that so that I can speak about it. And uh, may our time here lead to the end of suffering of all sentient beings. Ah. So any kind of burning questions? We've got eight minutes. Could be a comment. It doesn't have to be a question. Well, it seems to me that we got this problem with language, that the language is loaded. Like you said, your past life when you're three months old is your past three months. Well, that's not your past life. That's the past life of your body. You are not a body. Yeah, absolutely. Language is loaded. Um, my favorite one is God is love. Because in English, love is such a big word and God is such a big word. What does it mean? But actually, that makes, that makes sense to me. Same as, as, as mindfulness. And um, again, to try to get into arguments of what is life. What are we talking about? So thank you, yes. Um, language. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, in the past, I've read and met people who are interested in psychedelics. I know there's a big uh, meeting that they have in Oakland. It's one of the places. And then I hear your comment, and it reminds me of, I'm wondering, I guess Ram Das was one of his stages, and then he's like, hey, that's interesting, and then you go on. But a lot of the people I know who study ayahuasca and different things like that, I don't think they go on. So I'm not sure for them if that's like a distraction. Yeah. We don't know. And I think, um, like anything, um, there is one teacher at EBMC, and she is taking people to Peru on ayahuasca journeys. And um, for herself, she found it helpful. And so she's trying to help other people through it. Is she going to be successful at it? I don't know, right? It's kind of like I see the yoga world. I remember when I was 16 in St. Paul trying to find someone to teach me yoga, and now looking at, you know, I go to the YMCA and it's like, boxing yoga with Brazilian music. It's like, <laughs> I'm sure it's helping someone, you know, but I don't, no, I, I don't mean to be, I, I'm not putting it down. <laughs> but boxing yoga is the thing, right? Upside down yoga, water yoga, there's so many kind of things. And I, I just got a book about how yoga, the most of the postures of yoga are only 100 years old. And with the research that he's doing, it's called original yoga. So you can get into like things, you know, is this really helping? And uh, the conversations that are now starting to happen, too, about um, appropriation of different cultures and how do you deal with different traditions. But somewhere in there, and now you have a lot of teachers that want to be mindfulness teachers. And uh, one of my teachers says, we have mindfulness teachers that have never experienced mindfulness. Um, you know, but it is my belief 
that even if you're a Dharma parrot, if you're just repeating things, someone can get enlightened from that. <laughs> so I don't mind it too much. I, you know, that the materialistic kind of Dharma teaching kind of thing that happens in, in a minority, um, that's like oh, a little bit unfortunate. But, but yeah, with psychedelics, I think, um, you know, I've never had a cup of coffee. I've never been drunk. I've never done anything like that because I've never needed it. But I've never felt judgmental because I think that in certain cases it can break something, can open something for people that was needed at the right time. And so it can be medicine. You know, but you have to be very careful with that medicine. So. One more, one last one. This is really just a comment. Um, thank you very much, by the way. My, when you mentioned the... Um, the language thing and that some people say God is love. Um, it made me think, uh, I have a son with Down syndrome and he always says, God bless God. Always. I mean, it's, you know, and it's funny because I, in the past, I've always thought, well, it's just, you know, he's got it wrong and it's sort of embarrassing and stuff, but seriously, you know, it means something, you know? And, um, he does that all the time, you know. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, language is so, I mean, it's, and that's, again, that's why music or poetry can, can get into realms where uh, you can break through some of these things. And again, you know, why, it, it's just curious why so many traditions have this. Um, my aunt and I were talking about the communion of saints. And so she's like, yeah, you know, when people die, they're still with us and, and Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead. It's like, yeah, our dead people are here with us. And um, ancestor worship is, again, words, is, it's not necessarily worship, but how about ancestor relationship, right? Where, where you have this, where people are alive. And I've done some work recently, really um, working with, with ancestors because... Uh, all the stuff they had to go through, and here we are. Um, and uh, in the communities of color and uh, with the history of, of this nation as well, the, the healing that has to happen has to involve the ancestors, and it has to be involved us. And, uh, and to make sense of those difficulties in this country, Sometimes I bring in the cosmology. And uh, someone protected our ancestors, maybe, here, and uh, the blessings continue. So, thanks again, thanks again for having me here and for inviting me. And uh, thanks so maybe much, I'll be yeah. back. So, thanks. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.